guys, and welcome to Money Talks News, the podcast. This episode, we're talking about happiness. So here's the question. Can you put a price on happiness? In 2010, Princeton Research suggested that people's day-to-day happiness tops out when they make $75,000. More recent research, however, indicates that there is no dollar value in which having more money doesn't contribute to well-being. So really, apparently money can buy happiness, especially if you use it well, because the happiness you derive from money depends completely on what you do with it and what you spend it on. I'm Stacy Johnson. As usual, my co-host will be financial journalist Miranda Marquette. Hello, Miranda. Hi, Stacy. I am happy to be here. And I'm happy to have you. Listening in and sometimes contributing is our producer, Aaron Freeman. Aaron, are you happy today? I'm happy, generally, yeah. You seem happy. And this week, we've got a a really super happy guest with us. It's Jason Jason Vitug, a former bank executive, which doesn't sound happy, and financial wellness expert, which does sound happy. Welcome, Jason. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. And we are happy to have you, Jason. And also, let me mention Jason's forthcoming book, Happy Money, Happy Life. It's due in early 2023. So this podcast is obviously a very happy one. And we're going to talk today about how we can use money to enhance our happiness. Before we start, though, quick note, if we should mention specific investments in this podcast, don't think that they're financial advice. Be sure to do your own research and consult your own experts before you do anything money-related. Okay, let's dive right in. May I begin by asking Jason a simple question? What the heck's happiness, Jason? How do we define it? <laughs> it's so personal. And I, I've been on the quest to try to define this for myself. And then I realized the, the big answer is it really is personal to each and every single one of us. And so I think that is the most important thing. And if we have a benchmark in terms of trying to compare our happiness with others, we're never going to feel or find happiness. And so the key thing that I'd like to people to understand happiness is really a choice. It's a choice that we make each and every single day. So that's what happiness is. It's basically a choice. Okay. Well, well there it is. End of the show. Yeah. Well, actually, <laughs> I have to say that sounded a little vague to me. If I, if I said to you, I, okay, I heard you say that it's different for different people, but okay. If I say to you, Jason, what's happiness to you? How would you define your own happiness? What would you say? I love that. It is control over my time, control over uh, the choices I make. And ultimately, when I went and I researched all these different studies and I spoke with 100 people in, in various socioeconomic uh, conditions, and it's, it's all fairly the same. It's about, you know, can, do we have control over our time and do we have the ability to make choices with, within that time? And, and so for me, if I'm going to define happiness, it is about uh, how much time do I own that I can then use to, to pick and choose kind of the activities and, and how to use it. So I'm going to spend it with my family, spend it with my friends. I'm going to spend it out traveling and doing work that's purposeful. So those are the things that make me happy. And if we go into the details and the specifics, yes, it's, it's going to be very specific to my core values. And I think that's also what's important when it comes to happiness. It's understanding our core values. So basically, nobody married is happy. Only single people. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they have done research, and the happiest cohort of people are single women who have never been married and never had children. Um, divorced women are also fairly happy. So Really? I'm good on the scale here. No, I'm telling you, I'm going to call BS on that because I don't think there's a person alive happier than me. And I'm not a single woman. 
Yeah, I mean, we could get into the <laughs> the details of men mar- men in marriages versus women in marriages. I, I want to challenge there, you. On, we're on gonna happiness. we're gonna move on. But you know, okay. This morning, you guys, I was riding my bicycle, and and I was thinking to myself, instead of listening to a podcast, which I typically do when I ride, today I thought to myself, we're g- I knew I was going to do this podcast, and I thought, what is happiness? What is happiness to me? You know, what what makes me mm-hmm. happy? And, and and again, this is different for everyone. But, you know, I was thinking, because I thought someone was going to ask me that on this podcast, just like I asked Jason. And I, I think making people laugh makes me happy. Um, you know, being outdoors makes me happy. Uh, hanging out with my wife, uh, laughing with her makes me happy. And, and, you know, by the way, Jason, I wrote a book called Life or Debt uh, 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago. And in that book, I said, you know, the whole purpose of life is to be happy. And the, yes. the, whole, the whole purpose of uh, being happy, and all you, all you really have to do to combine money and happiness is think about the happiest moments of your life and then put, make a list of them and stop spending money on anything that isn't on that list and devote all your resources to things that are. And now obviously that's overly simplistic because there are things you're going to have to do that won't appear on your happiness list. But essentially, you know, that, that's the way I've approached this. Do, do you agree with that? I absolutely do. And I think you just gave a synopsis for my book. So, <laughs> oh, so maybe so what you're so, saying is you plagiarized my book from 20 years ago. I'm not happy. Yeah, yeah. I'm not happy, I'm, I'm happy with that. I might have to talk to my publisher about that. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's absolutely it. I love it because it just goes to show that regardless if the book is written just within this year or 20 years ago, there are a lot of the common threads when it comes oh, to course. happiness. And that's kind of what I posit in terms of kind of spending less on stuff and things that don't add value into our lives and shifting all that, that those resources, those financial resources on the things that, that do add value. And again, it is very personal. So when you mentioned uh, the things that make you happy, spending time with your wife, going outdoors, those are the things that make a lot of people happy as well from the research and from the uh, discussions wait, that I've wait, had. You're saying that other people get happy spending time with my wife? Yes, they do. Wow. <laughs> no wonder she's so busy all the time. <laughs> so she's a she's a great lovely lady, so <laughs> she, she actually is. She's actually a lot of fun. Uh, so now let, let's talk about then well, let me ask you this before we go on though. You guys should have known I was going to ask this question if you didn't. I want to know from the four people on our podcast here, are you happy? Now, and remember, you can be honest because no one's hearing this podcast anyway. <laughs> So are, are you are you happy, Jason? I'm very happy. You look happy, and <laughs> you yeah, do. You can see it from my smile. Yeah, and so it, it's not a hidden happiness either. So uh, being able to spend some time with with all of you makes me happy because I'm getting uh, the choice to to spend this moment with you. So this makes me happy. Okay, Miranda. I am generally happy. Uh, sometimes I get annoyed. And that's why I'm in politics. But um, oh man, I how can you possibly be happy and be in politics? I mean, <laughs> I did curb stomp my opponent at the debate the other night, and that made me happy. That, that so. does not sound like the words of a happy person. I curb stomp my opponent. <laughs> okay. Made me happy, uh, but no, but yeah, in general, yes, because like Jason, uh, I do get a lot of freedom and flexibility, and so that does bring a lot of satisfaction and happiness in my life to be able to have that freedom and flexibility um, to sometimes do things that don't always make me happy. No, okay, Aaron? 
I am. I'm happy and I'm content. Yeah. Good. I always, uh, as long as I get to do the things I want to do. Yeah. I'm happy. As long as yes. you get to do the things you want to do. I'm, ge- I'm getting some yeah. liminal messages in some of the answers I'm getting here. Yeah. I, fortunately, I think there's definitely for- a commonality. And, and so there are two things that I heard generally happy. I think I heard this a, a couple of times or three times. And so <laughs> I, I want to talk about that general happy. And, and Please. so interestingly enough is that, uh, People tend to think that they have to be happy all the time, and it is unsustainable to be happy every single minute. And so I think when people think about happiness, they're like, okay, I have to be happy all the time. No, it's happiness is an emotion. Uh, I think people need to understand that happiness is an emotion. It comes and goes. And so just like with any emotion, that there are going to be periods where we're going to be extremely happy and the periods that we will be sad, and that's okay. And I think part of that is understanding the, the emotional aspect of happiness. And so it's not a destination. So I'm not here telling everyone you have to be happy every single moment or you have to be generally happy. And I think there's a pursuit of happiness that leads people into sadness and depression. So I think that's important to note as well. So yes, so we're not here telling everyone you got to be happy 24-7, but it is an opportunity for you to choose uh, happiness daily. Okay, now we're going to talk about money and happiness. And and again, I was just telling you, I was thinking about my life this morning as I was riding my bicycle. And and I thought, um, happiness and money uh, because I, I used to be not poor. I didn't grow up poor, but, you know, middle class. And now I have fairly lots of money. I'm a multimillionaire. Not not a private jet type, you know, but I, I have several million dollars. So so I've been poor and I've been rich. And I don't think I laughed louder, longer, or I don't think my life was better uh, because of money. And I, was, and I was thinking today, and I know this sounds stupid, especially people who don't have money. Of course, you're happy with, with money. But, you know, the truth is to me, Money and happiness are related like a shoe and a hat. They're, they're just completely separate things. Now, they may combine to, to make a good outfit, but you can't really compare. Uh, you, can't, you can't directly relate happiness to money because they're, separate, they're completely different things. Do you, do you agree with that? They well, are, yeah, I mean, go ahead, yeah, go ahead. They are completely different things. And I, I, I love your analogy with the hat and the shoe that they're two separate pieces and, but they do come together to, to create a perfect uh, outfit. And, and so I, I want to kind of hone in on, on that concept of money and happiness, because I think people tend to think that money is happiness. And so one of my uh, focus is to remind everyone that Money can buy happiness, but money isn't happiness. And I think there's a lot of confusion when people set financial milestones thinking that once I achieve your multi-million dollar status, I will be happy. And that doesn't happen. And the research has shown that to not happen or the people that I've spoken with for this book. Yeah, I I I think that – oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Miranda. Well, I was going to say kind of the ways that happiness and – um, money are related, I think have a lot to do with the idea of, okay, what can I buy like necessities, right? Like if you're able to buy your necessities, your food, your shelter, your clothing, you can buy your necessities. You can pay for regular transportation to get to work so that you can earn a living. That does contribute in a lot of ways to your happiness because if you're always struggling, if you're always trying to make ends meet, that's stressful it's very stressful. We need money to live. Money is a necessity in yeah. our society. We've made it a necessity in our society. And so a lack of it, 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 money may not be happiness, but a lack of it 
can sure lead to misery. And so uh, so being able to to recognize that, I think, is also part of this discussion and saying, OK, yes, uh, we do need money for the necessities of life and we do need money in order to kind of get that baseline uh, level of contentment or uh, just living or survival. We need money for that. What do you think, Aaron? Well, obviously, we're swaying back and forth between money and happiness and the philosophy of, of happiness. I mean, when we're children, we're not making money. We're not earners. You know, and if you have a hopefully a relatively you know, like normal childhood, you're not thinking about it. You know, you're playing around. You're like Stacy said, you're laughing. You're making your friends laugh. Your grandfather's making you laugh, whatever. These are the little enjoyments in your life. It's not so much money based. You know, uh, it's only when we get older that we are now trying to link these two together. And uh, sometimes for us, we buy things to make ourselves happy, and it never does. And we're always looking at that next thing. Yeah. You know, you know, what, one of the expressions, I have a lot of expressions about this from books <laughs> that I've written, but uh, one is, you know, when you're lying on your deathbed, you won't be thinking about the things you had. You'll be thinking about the love you had or the, or the times you had. Uh, but you're, it's, no one's ever going to lie on their deathbed and go, God, that was an awesome stereo I had. You know, or, or <laughs> that what a that great reminds car. me, I spoke with a hospice nurse who's worked in the industry for 12 years, and he mentioned that when he sp- speaks to a lot of the, uh, the patients, the, uh, the seniors that are there, that they never talk about money. They never talk about working more. They always talk about memories. They, they love to share the memories that they've had. But what he found interesting was how family members over th- their, their loved ones' beds are talking about money. And, yeah. and he sees a disconnect. <laughs> so they're talking about money and bills and expenses. and But the person that's there that's in peace are all talking about the joy and happiness that they've experienced in their life. And he says it rarely is about regret. It's just talking about those memories that they have. And I think that's kind of one of the things when I, when I tell people money can buy happiness, most of the time it can buy the memories. And most of those memories are made when we owe most of our time and our ability to pick and choose the, the events and the things that we want to do. So one of the things that I like to kind of piggyback on what Miranda said, it is important for people to understand that money can solve money problems, but money can't solve life problems. And so I think that's one of the, the most important things that I want people to understand that we built a society that Miranda mentioned that revolves around money. It weaves itself into pretty much every single facet of it, yeah. but it isn't going to solve that, that nagging feeling of of purpose and experiences and connection. So I think it's important for people to differentiate the two. Yes. And you know what I think is really important too, is for people to recognize that. And, and I've had people say this to me, if you're, if you were, if you're an unhappy person with no money, you'll be an unhappy person with tons of money too. Uh, yeah. You'll find a way to be unhappy. Believe me. And, and another thing that someone has said to me before, like, how can, obviously, if you have millions of dollars, you must be happy. And I'm like, don't you understand that once you, once you start flying first class and staying in suites instead of, you know, in crummy hotels, you know what, you, you know what makes you unhappy then? You're scared to death you're going to lose the money and not be able to do it anymore because you can't live like that anymore. You know, I can't live like I'm not going to live in a hostel, you know, when I travel to Europe. And so, you know, point being, having money is not the end all and be all because you're worried about losing your money. It, it's a new it's a new thing that you have to worry about, you know, but, you know, let's do this. Let's take a really quick break. And, you know, the promise of our podcast is we're going to tell you exactly how to spend your money to get the most possible happiness in return. We have specific suggestions right on the other side of this short break. OK, we're back. I promised you something. Let's see if I can deliver now. 
Okay, so let's let's talk about some specific ways that we can use money to make ourselves happier. Well, and I, I think kind of what Jason was talking about earlier when he talked about make sure you're using, you know, your values, you understand your values, you understand your priorities. And I think a lot of that using money to buy happiness goes along with, okay, am I spending money on things that matter to me? Am I spending money on things I value? Uh, one of the things I've noticed is if I, if I stop being conscious about where I'm putting my money and my resources, things creep in there and I'm looking around and I'm going, what is all this crap I don't want? And the, and the reality of this situation is, is if you're going to buy happiness, you need to make sure you're spending the money on the things that matter to you, whether that's memories, travel, you know, gear to go outdoors, whatever that is, uh, you know, time with family and friends. I used to, I love, I love entertaining. I love having my friends over. So spending money on good food and good wine when my friends come over, that's huge for me. That's what I like to do. And that makes me happy to be able to spend money on those things. I agree. Jason, what do you think? Yeah, well, I have lots of thoughts on this. And I think there are eight different ways that people can buy happiness. And they are things that I've discussed in the book in terms of the dimensions of wellness. So one of the key things is when we're, we're talking about memories, that is that hits on the, the mental health and the emotional health aspect, the dimensions of our well-being. And so it's important for us to kind of spend our money on things that kind of foster these memories, these positive memories. And one other area that I like people to understand as well is that we, when we feel good in our physical bodies – that can make us feel happy because the vast majority of people I spoke with that are unhappy, they're, fe they're feeling not mental pain, they're actually feeling physical pain. And so a reprieve from that. And so realizing that when you can spend money on a nutritionist or on better food or with a fitness trainer that can help you alleviate some of these, some of these pains can bring a, a, a bit of joy and happiness to someone's life. And one of the key things too, I know there's a lot of talks when it comes to work and people are unhappy happy at work. And I say you can buy happiness and affect your work by learning and gaining new skills. So paying for courses, paying for workshop, paying for education, that that kind of up levels, upskill uh, your talents and allows you to kind of shift over to a new position or a new company that will help you buy happiness. And I think it's important for us to talk about these different dimensions because there are ways for us to better spend our money to affect our wellness and feel happier. And, and you know, by the way, too, I think it would be disingenuous for, for us not to include security is something that happiness buys to the extent it can. Uh, like, for example, um, I, I could... I could die of a heart attack right now, no matter how much money I have. But if, if I become ill, my odds of being successfully treated are greater. Uh, and I have insurance, in other words. I have Medicare now. But uh, anyway, it, the, more, the more money you have, the more you can insulate yourself from life's uncertainties. You can't eliminate them, but I don't have to worry about having a roof over my head. I don't have to worry about what stuff costs at the grocery store. And, and this, in a way, I'm not saying that specifically makes me happy, but having, buying security to the extent that you can as a human being, is, is something to use money for in terms of happiness. I don't know if I stated that very well or even if you guys agree with it, but do you see what I'm trying to say? I, I do. Well, I yeah, if, I mean, if you're making enough money and you're using that money to take those worries away, yeah. then that could get you happiness. Um, there's a yeah. flip side, though, to what Jason is saying. Um, 
if you're using money to buy happiness, this could end up in a runaway problem as well, because those things can end up costing you a lot of money, which ends up just making you more poor because you're trying to chase this happiness field. Um, so there's a little bit of play. There's a fine line between using your money to make happiness, but also being uh, a little bit budgetary minded about it so that you're not going overboard. Um, absolutely right. And and that's that goes back to Miranda's point in terms of understanding our core values and knowing exactly what, what makes us tick. And so because people do start chasing happiness and start spending incessantly, and, and then eventually it does affect their budget, it affects their finances, and now they're stressed financially. And then they're, they're trying to figure out which came first. Was I, was I stressed and unhappy because of the mental issues I was going through or am I stressed and unhappy because now I have financial problems? And so that, those are really important. So thank you so much for pointing that out because we cannot get into this treadmill. What is it? The, the hedonic yeah. treadmill and the adaptation. So it's important for us to understand that as well. It's, so it goes back to understanding that vision for our life, understanding our core values, and, and making very mindful decisions when it comes to utilizing our money so we're not creating future financial stress. Because what are the stats? Like 70% of people are financially stressed. And this goes way back before the pandemic. And and so the answer really isn't more money. And we talked about that early on. The answer is, okay, understanding your core values and how do you best utilize the financial resources that you do have in these specific areas, which I call the happy dimensions. And you know what I found uh, in my later years uh, that brings me the most joy is spending money on other people. Uh, and, and, and I want to, you know, treating other people, literally buying my friend's dinner. And Aaron can tell you, I do this, not because I have money, but because it really makes me smile to make other people smile. I just love doing that. And, and you know, I, I give money to the Humane Society, too, and other charities. And I give a lot. But you know what? You know what I get when I give money to the Humane Society? I get a whole bunch of more solicitations from the Humane Society to give more money. <laughs> but when I buy Aaron dinner, he's like, thanks, man. I'm like, hey, dude, it's literally my pleasure, you know? I, I really like buying. I like buying things for my wife. I, I'd much rather buy stuff for her than I, I'm not trying to sound like a you know a priest or something uh, that I'm you know an angel. But I'm, it really makes me happy to make other people happy, and especially those people that are closest to me. Like I, buying an experience, I hardly see my sister, so I bought a cruise for her and her wife to come with me and my wife, and I and and we had such a great time, a lifetime experience. So not only do I buy an experience, I bought an experience with somebody who mattered to me. Does that, does that make sense? Yes. You know, I, mean, I think that's the best use of Pro-social spending. It's what's called pro-social spending. And that hits on the happy social dimension of our well-being. And so studies have shown that people who spend on other people, you actually feel happier than spending it on yourself. And that has a lot to do with, one, as you mentioned, you're creating memories. And two, it's like you're having these uplifting conversations and discussions with the people that you love and you admire. And and that helps you with your mental and emotional health as well. So it actually, pro-social spending hits on a lot of these dimensions of wellness. So it makes total sense. And I, and I feel you on that as well. And uh, spending on family and friends and colleagues does bring a lot of joy and and so we definitely need to become hey, friends. Hey, Jason, is, is, there a, <laughs> is there a feedback loop to that? Uh, so I'm, I'm around Stacey quite a bit, and he does do this. But interestingly, he does tell these stories a lot to other people. So is there a feedback loop with people that spend money on 
uh, entertaining or just events that happen that create events and create stories. But then that person you mean, gets so to, you're saying that I'm being insincere that I'm just doing this. So I want people. No, to no, no. What I'm, what I'm saying is, is that it, it gives you an event so that you can tell a story to somebody else. And in, in, in doing so, that makes you happy and it makes other people happy. So that actually just it's like a reverb. It sounds like bragging when you put it. That it's way. not really I bragging. Hope I, I hope it don't sound like that. It's not really bragging, though. It's self-awareness. So I, I tend to tell people that when we think about giving to others, there is, you know, we look at it, okay, that's very selfless of you, Stacey. It's very selfless of you buying dinners for family and friends and these cruises. But there's also a little bit of selfishness because you do feel, you do get something back. You do yeah. feel, yeah, you feel like this, this euphoric sense, uh, this happiness for doing so. And so I tend to tell people, I'm like, it's not about being selfish or selfless. It's about being self-aware, self-aware that you are, you're enjoying the company of your family and friends and they're certainly enjoying it as well. And you're enjoying it. So it's, yeah, there is a feedback in terms of that. And when you talk about pro-social spending and when you mention that it's the opportunity and the ability for us to share these stories, that's why spending on family and friends, spending on experiences that create memories are are much more impactful when it comes to like choosing happiness than buying things that depreciate in value. So one of the things I like to tell people is like, I want to be in your heart and not in, on your shelf. And so I, pr- I prefer to be, create memories with each and every one of you versus buying you something and and I'm sitting on your shelf collecting collecting dust. And so because of the fact that these memories do expand and do impact other people and I think that's part of that's part of why buying memories and and sharing these memories make us so much happier than stuff. Now and by the way and I don't know how much time we have left not much. So let me ask you a question all everybody We've all been very clear that experiences are what you want to spend your money on and things that align with your morals and ethics and blah, blah, blah. Is there, is there a situation where material possessions bring you happiness? I mean, there must be, right? I mean, I think it depends, once again, on the level of value you place on them and, and where you're at. So, like, for instance, I pride myself in having a very comfortable sitting area in my front room because it's a nice, and I like having those comfortable chairs, but it goes back to what you're all talking about when it's, oh, because now people can sit and we can chat and we can make these memories and we can have this nice conversation. Um, I don't watch TV a ton, but when I do, I like to have a specific type of couch that's kind of comfortable. And I was very picky about it. And I didn't spend a ton on it either. I got it as like modular stuff. Like I didn't spend a like I wanted to have a specific type and have it be comfortable. But at the same time, I also didn't want to spend extra money on it, even though I could afford to, because TV is not something that I usually do with other people. And so I think I think it just sort of depends on where you're at and what kinds of things you're doing with your things, I guess. Uh, I have I have a bunch of knickknacks that you know, people have given me or, um, or that like I bought as souvenirs and it's kind of fun to look at those things and remember the good memories and have the good feelings toward people, uh, even though buying, but those yeah. are memory storage devices. Exactly. Yeah. Like, really, right? So, so I think it really just sort of depends on whether or not the things you have are enhancing your life in some way. But don't we have, okay. Like I, I don't have a mansion in any way, you know, I live in a house that's nice. 
But my point is this, when, when somebody comes over and we entertain a lot, and I want people to go walk in my house and go, wow, nice house, cool pool in your backyard, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, we all, we, I mean, we'd all be lying if we didn't say that we enjoyed having nice things that, that people, other people appreciated, hopefully not uh, lusted after, but appreciated. But is, is that a way that material possessions are bringing happiness into my life, Jason? Yeah, so uh, this is perfect because this is what I call the happy space dimension, which is environmental well-being. And so in the book, I talk about how you can buy happiness by the places that you inhabit. And so one of the biggest things that we inhabit is a home. So there's this big debate whether you're your, you should rent or buy a home. And one of the key things that when I spoke with people who own homes uh, versus renting is that their ability to customize the home to their specific needs. Yeah. And they can create specific areas for entertaining, for lounging, for resting, and for working. And that brings a lot of joy and happiness in their life. And so when we're thinking about, like, can we buy these materialistic things? Absolutely. When you understand the life that you want to live and the type of space that you want to inhabit. So this very personal very customizable and so yes you're you're absolutely right uh, when you have a home and you're you're spending it to customize it to reflect what's important to you and serves you functionally uh, it does contribute to your overall sense of happiness and it goes back again to what you mentioned you bring people in they're like oh you can entertain yes so there there is a way for us and I tend to look at it I have someone that that owns uh, one of those $300,000 cars and they love it and it brings joy and happiness in their life but they realize when they're when they're driving in the city and people are stopping them to take a photo in their vehicle with their vehicle it d- makes them less happy so they decided to stop driving this McLaren uh, out in public because they just realize it's just too much uh, it adds to little stresses in their life and so they realize these little things and I think it's important for us to understand uh, when we buy these purchases that make us that bring joy and happiness into our life and and also some of the little stresses that that add on to it yeah you know that reminds me of something and we were gonna have to wrap it up here pretty quick but I have a friend who's really rich, you know, like two private jets, giant mansion, 200-foot boat, super rich. And when I first became friends with him, it made me think, because, you know, your whole life you're going, oh, gosh, I want to be this guy, you know. This is what I'm aiming my whole life at. I want to be a movie star. I want to be, you know, a billionaire. And, you know, uh, through, through knowing him, it made me realize that the only joy you can get from material possessions is wanting them and then achieving them. Like, for example, I wanted a Harley my whole life. And, you know, at the age of 40, I was able to buy a Harley. And I'll tell you what, I laughed out loud on that thing. I love that motorcycle. You know, but when you can buy 30 Harleys and it makes no difference whatsoever, then there goes the joy of that physical possession. And more importantly, I know who my friends are. This guy doesn't. Because every single, except his best friend knew him before he was rich. Everybody else is suspect. And that would be true if you were famous, too. So being really rich or being famous is not really what it's, what it's all about. You know, having control of your own destiny by, by having enough money to keep, you know, to keep roof over your head and you, know, you have to worry about retirement or things like that. That's the goal. But being a billionaire, nope. want, want to know them, though, because I really like big boats and big houses, but don't <laughs> want to be one. That's my opinion. Well, what do you think? Um, are, is also the happiness kind of uh, really tied to uh, social happiness? I mean, at the end of the day, like everybody's talked about, you're buying memories, you're buying you know, these, these moments, but the moments usually are spent with other people. And when 
you have an event that's shared by everybody and this is the reason why you go back to it and the ability to go back to those friends go into a group at a party and you share that moment that you just had you all spent 20 bucks on that moment at a, at a dinner or you spent you know a thousand dollars at a at a, a concert but you all went together but the point of the happiness yeah. wasn't really the money you spent or any of it. it was the fact that you guys can talk about it later and that's the yeah. reason why Facebook exists in the whole nine yards, because it's that shared experience that ultimately is what makes everybody happy. You know, never, nobody ever really shares, you know. I thought Facebook existed to make other people jealous. No, but how many people, <laughs> how many people are sharing on Facebook like disasters that are happening in their life, you know? No, it's absolutely true. You're absolutely right, Aaron. And I think what's also important to note is that we do experience happiness when we're sharing these stories with our family and our friends, but also there are moments when we're laying in bed alone at night and we're staring up in the ceiling and wondering, wow, I have all these positive things and these joyous moments, but why am I feel like something is missing? And I think that also is something that I they touched on in the book, the importance of us understanding our core values and the purpose that we serve. So people that I've spoken with, I've spoken with a billionaire as well, and he mentioned the importance of having purpose and serving a purpose and that's something that money can't buy. It, it's, it's one of the things when you're laying alone at night and you have no stories to share, you know, you, there's something that keeps you up or not keeps you up, but like helps you get up in the morning. And so that's like the, the happy spirit, the, the spiritual dimension of, of wellness. And I think people need to understand that as well, that there are things that we need to look at internally because um, I, we see it a lot with a lot of famous celebrities, correct? Like they, ha they seem to have it all. And all of a sudden there's something that's happening and they're saying, oh, I'm unhappy. And it's that yeah. nagging feeling, that void that people have. And so it's also important to, to understand, again, going back to the core values, going back to serving something greater than yourself is also a form of happiness. Very good. And you know, this podcast is making me really happy, but everything must come to an end. I'm afraid we are out of time, folks, but we are never out of topic, especially this one. It's a great one. Dig deeper. You're going to find links to lots more info in our show notes. And remember, if your goal is to make more, to spend less, to retire rich, or just to be happy, your online home is moneytalksnews.com. And don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well. That is Miranda Marquit, M-A-R-Q-U-I-T.com. And of course, you want to visit Jason at his website. He's a happy guy. His website is frugal.com. Now, wait, let me spell it for you. P-H-R-O-O-G-A-L, frugal.com. You got a question, comment, or topic you'd like to suggest? Tell us about it. Email us at hello at moneytalksnews.com. That's hello at moneytalksnews.com. And one last thing, if you like what we do, then do something for us. Subscribe to our podcast. It takes you two seconds, but it really makes us happy. So if you like us, show us and subscribe. I'm Stacy Johnson. I'm Miranda Marquette. I'm Aaron Freeman. I'm Jason Vitek. Thanks so much for being with us today, Jason. And all you guys, too. Thanks for hanging out with us. We're going to see you right here next time.